Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a classic dreamer who started as a flight attendant and worked her way to now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and dynamic entrepreneur in various industries. This podcast is for the dreamers and doers. Learn how to think, act, and speak big as business leaders share how they turned from dreamers to leaders. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Melody. Our guest today is an award-winning entrepreneur and is committed to changing the way business is done. His company, Impact Grove, is a recognized leader in sustainably-led business. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mike Brown. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here, Melody. Nice. So I'm eager to learn about your company, Impact Grove. Thanks, Melody. Happy to be here. Tell us about backstory of your company. Yeah. When I was uh, thinking about starting the next business uh, in my life, it was how could I make the best impact on society, the deepest impact I could possibly have. And I have beliefs that business is more about just making money. Business is about positive impact and leaving a positive legacy. So I started Impact Grove to help other impact-driven business leaders to succeed in the market, um, to help them really compete aggressively against companies that only care about money. So these are businesses I coach and advise to leverage their strengths in environmental sustainability, uh, social justice, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion to attract the best talent and to uh, earn more market share in customers uh, in this competitive environment of capitalism. Nice. Um, I read somewhere in uh, in one of the articles, you know, about you that you mentioned uh, growing up, you had that notion that greed is good, <laughs> right? So, so from that type of upbringing and way of doing things to suddenly, you know, having that. Um, that quite the uh, uh, opposite of more of an impact-driven type of philosophy. Tell us about that journey on how you made that um, sudden change in, in trajectory of the direction of um, how you want to do business. Yeah, it's it's really a, a lifelong journey as a young adult and, and as an adult to uh, keep learning and stay open-minded. You know, I grew up middle class here in North Orange County. I went to Brea High School. Uh, then I went to Chapman University. I studied undergraduate business school at Chapman. Great business school. Uh, the foundation of the teachings is really around the only role of business in society is to make as much profit for the shareholders as possible, which is the, the dominant belief in business and capitalism. Right. So when I was at Chapman, I started a company. I was 19. And uh, by the second year we were in business, we were grossing over a million dollars in revenue annually. And I was well on my way to accomplishing the definition of success of capitalism that I was taught in business school. Hmm. But I always felt like there was something more to it, um, that we as leaders have impacts that we can be visible and, and really <clears throat> focus on the impact. Or we can kind of turn a blind eye to it and uh, continue on the pathway of this simple definition of business. Of we, we like simplicity in business, and we love that. Hey, your only role is to go make as much money as you can. Okay, that's easy. I can go do that. But what about people? 
What about the planet? What about our impacts on, on those key stakeholders? And that's been a journey for me to discover that. Wow. Um, so yes, the triple points of having a people, profit, and a planet, right? So why do you think that, um, that that's important? And how does uh, a business benefit from that? Yeah, business depends on having a healthy society. And society is made up of a healthy planet, environment, and healthy people uh, that are interconnected with one another, especially in a globalized economy that we have now. We are interdependent on it. Let me put it this way. If we don't have a healthy planet for business to extract resources from in order to make its products and to kind of produce its services business would collapse. If we don't have a healthy group of people that believe that they have a role in capitalism, in the ability to increase their own livelihoods, we don't have the talented workforce that wants to come in and work with us in the missions of our companies. So th it's this acknowledgement that, you know, for basically since the industrial revolution, business has been extractive. We really have taken from the planet and we've taken from people and we've hit a tipping point. If not now, it's coming very soon. This tipping point that stakeholder capitalism of the triple bottom line of people, planet and profit, those companies are already winning in the marketplace. They're attracting talent. They're attracting customers and the dinosaur brands of uh, caring only about profit are becoming less and less attractive to work for and to buy from. I love it. So it truly is a win-win to to have to have that. Um, so talk to us about a certified B company, right? So your yeah. company helps with um, corporations to be certified. Is that correct? That is correct. What does it mean? to be a certified B corporation and perhaps the processes uh, in order to, to get there. Yeah. Certified B corporations, which um, it's by B lab, which you can find more at B corporation.net. Uh, they are the highest level of certification that symbolize business as a force for good in society. It is a rigorous assessment that is audited and renewed every few years by, uh, by B lab to look at, a company's impact on its workforce, on its community, on its environment, on the way it governs itself and reinvests its profits back into those stakeholders. It is an amazing certification. There's almost 7,000 certified B Corps around the world in 89 countries representing almost 600,000 employees um, as I write this. And there's about a six-month backlog of demand of companies that have already submitted for certification uh, but there's just so much people wanting to become certified B Corps that they're going through it. Um, one of my clients uh, just recently went through the B Impact Assessment with me. He's got the points uh, in order to certify, and we're excited to submit very soon, and he will be the next Orange County certified B Corp here in the coming months. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so apparently it's a 200, is it a 200 question or 200, 200 points that one need to to kind of get through and out of the 200, as long as you meet even less than 200, even less than 200, like 80, right? <laughs> 80 yes. is the only points that's uh, required in order to uh, 
to be certified. But uh, so usually what's the, the, the time frame for one to say, hey, I want to to actually having that seal? <laughs> yeah. So it depends on the type of company. Some companies have complex supply chains. They're maybe multinational organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a recent certified B Corp, Nespresso Coffee. You know, they are in multiple countries. They have farms in multiple continents. That's a very long and involved process. For a service provider like me, that I don't have a supply chain environmental footprint, it is much more streamlined uh, in order to go through the B impact assessment. So, so what is the normal average size of a company to make it impactful for them to, to go through the process? I think the great thing about B Corp certification is how diverse it is. There are companies of all shapes and sizes and locations and types of businesses. Um, the most prominent ones are your like consumer packaged goods, large companies. Uh, Patagonia is a great example of a certified B Corp because of how great they are for the planet and for their people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's com- even here in Orange County where I'm from, there's apparel companies, there's banks, there's financial advisors, there's uh, coaches and consultants like myself, there's um, farms that are even becoming kind of certified B Corps, agriculture. So you name it, it the, the B impact assessment, which determines becoming a certified B Corp, is kind of like those goosebumps books back in the day where like you read a page and it tells you to turn to the next page, depending on how you answered it. Uh, It's very flexible based upon the type of company that is being assessed. Nice. Um, Actually, I think that's pretty awesome uh, for you, Mike, to actually find that, uh, that, um, that niche of certifying being consultant for companies. um, Cause I think that's where um, the movement that's kind of where, and if you want to survive in um, in this digital age, in this heavily um, competitive capitalist world, right? Um, I, I think we have to do something to um, to to differentiate ourselves, right? <laughs> well said, Melody. Um, especially in a competitive climate where some companies are claiming it but they don't have the integrity in those claims. Mm-hmm. Um, business knows, I mean, the, 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 the data is out there. 86% of millennials and Generation Z want to buy from and work for purpose-driven, mindful, impactful companies. 86%. So it, if you put yourselves in the CEO's shoes or the chief marketing officer's shoes, you see that stat. It's very uh, tempting that even if you're not there yet, to make the claims. So as a consumer, how do you know if a company that's claiming to be good for the plant, they're putting green colors on their labels and they're saying that they're eco-friendly. That's not regulated. That's not a regulated claim. Yeah, it's, there's no, there's nobody that says like when you make a, a product packaging for like a supplement or a shampoo, something like that, and you put eco-friendly on the label, nobody approves that before you do it. So in this world where there's lots of claims of greenwashing, right. The certified B logo is the best way for a consumer to easily know that the brand that they're choosing to buy from, they're kind of voting with their wallet, uh, is actually high integrity and there's validation for what they're claiming on their packaging or on their website. 
I like that voting with, uh, with your wallet. It's a certified B. I mean, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I have a, a company. Um, you know, it's, it's runway. And because as a founder, I truly believe, I truly believe in, in that triple, uh, points, the triggers that we have to be mindful. But, um, but I'm glad that, uh, that we're here and sharing this information, uh, to entrepreneurs, you know, out there. There is a way to really just say, not just, uh, um, you know, say it and claim it, you know, <laughs> as you said, like in my case, okay, it's, um, it's, uh, not, you know, it's a different type of, of leather and we're, we're trying to be mindful, but what does that really mean? But going through, uh, the process and having that stamp, uh, would give the consumer that peace of mind and reassurance that somehow they are truly, um, saying what they are claiming to be, yes. right? <laughs> well, well said, Melody. And the mission that you have in your company to a really, you know, uh, women empowerment and the ability to support women in their comfort and in their style uh, is definitely aligned with the culture of certified B Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm part of the internal network of uh, B Corp leaders. Uh, I'm in the process of starting B Local Orange County to bring the county's B Corps together. And in those meetings with other certified B Corps, it is a wonderful community. It is so diverse and loving and interconnected, uh, mission-driven, purpose-driven. So there is the benefit of the consumer-facing uh, benefits of the certified B, but the internal benefits of becoming part of a community and part of a like-minded oh. tribe of mm-hmm. purpose-driven entrepreneurs is really priceless and um, provides heart, heart like high ROI value in areas other than revenue generating activities. Purpose driven tribe, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so like minded people, but I agree with you. It affects uh, not only attracting the right consumer, right, which affects our bottom line, and really the um, the. Um, um, so attracting the right customer and talent, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, right? Because there's, especially I think with a with a new workforce, right? They just don't want. Um, they're very picky, <laughs> and with all the choices out there, having having this, you're attracting the right talent who really want to to contribute, right? So, so that's awesome. Uh, so you're, you're born and raised Orange County. We have a satellite office, uh, in Newport Beach. Love Newport Beach, you know, so, so for, you know, we have a global audience and, um, you know, for, for those not from, uh, California, this is truly, um, a, a destination, a travel, uh, bucket list, right? Being Orange Well said. County. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a beautiful place to live and to work. Um, and I love this county. Uh, I love Southern California as a whole. Um, me too. <laughs> it, it's, it's a wonderful place. All right. So, so let's talk about, um, capitalism and the myth of capitalism. Talk to us about that. Um, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the big myth about capitalism is that it's all about money. Um, and that's both an internal and an external myth. I shared, I shared a bit about the, uh, that internal belief structure of capitalists that we only are supposed to return profit to shareholders. 
But I think from the outside looking in, from a consumer point of view, the myth that all capitalists are kind of greedy and evil uh, is a myth. Uh, there are so many people in the field of business that are thinking about their companies in a way to positively yeah. give back to their communities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it, it takes all of us um, having empathy for one another for us to solve some of our existential threats of you know, the climate crisis and social polarization. And I think that we need to um, dispel this myth that capitalism is all evil. Mm -hmm. um, I I do have major problems with uh, like extreme greed on Wall Street and things like that. That you know, to me, it's wrong when a company lays off seven thousand employees and their stock price goes up ten percent. That just ah. seems backwards to me. Um, but in in the world of business, there's so many purpose-driven people. Part of my mission is to help connect them with one another so that they feel like they're not doing business in a different way, that they're doing business in the way of today and into the future. So what is uh, Google's um, tagline? Do no evil, right? So hopefully they have uh, they have the certified B in there. And for our audience out there, B means beautiful. I'm kidding. Uh, B <laughs> means uh, benefit, right? Certified benefit to to the the environment to, to society and all yeah. that good stuff right that is correct the, the b means benefit and one of the great things that uh, b lab has done as well is to create a actual um, legal class for mm. benefit corporations it's now in 37 states where in a corporate bylaws you can form like here in the state of california i'm a california benefit corporation and there's a line in my articles of incorporation that say that the role of impact growth corporation is to return value to people, planet and profit to its shareholders. Mm -hmm. And that gives us a legal reason to uh, not always put profit first, but to balance the three stakeholders of people, planet and profit. So, you know, I, I want to piggyback on what you said on, um, you know, regarding that myth, right? So, so even, even for me, uh, when I was kind of browsing through, um, you know, articles about you and, and certified B, at first it seemed like, you know, it's an oxymoron where, you know, here you are capitalist and, you know, of course, profit, it's driven, uh, by profit. And is it Adam Smith, the father of uh, modern economy, where he was saying something yep. about, you know, the benevolence of the, of the butcher, the baker, uh, and the brewer, um, is not really about them wanting to, to, to serve you, <laughs> yes. but it's all, um, you know, self-serving. And somehow the invisible hand drives it to the degree where it's beneficial to, um, to, to, to everyone, right? To the economy, to, uh, to the workforce and, and to the country, et cetera. Right. So, um, and I agree with you. If you're, if you're Starbucks, right. And, and if you, pollute, <laughs> um, you know, this, the, the water ways and, and whatnot, then, then of course, you know, it's going to have that, uh, that, um, that effect, right? That uh, compounding effect of trouble that you don't want as a catalyst, right? So somehow it serves you to do the right thing. <laughs> it does. And I think one of the, the best kind of hidden uh, evolutions of the world that is helping mm -hmm. capitalism do better is things like, like this right here, our phones, 
our phones that I'm holding in my hand has increased the visibility and the transparency and the ability for everybody to say, that's wrong. That polluted right. river right there is wrong. What's the source of it? Then more people get their eyes on it and we are able to track it usually back to a business doing harm. And I think that as this transparency and this, this light has been shown on the harms being done through capitalism, it gives the companies the opportunity to, to make changes and to improve that. And if they don't, uh, they will be put out of business either by regulation or by drops in consumer demand. And, but part of this also is sometimes the, the decision makers often were truly blind to mm-hmm. these global supply chain problems. You know, if in globalization, as companies chose to outsource, they could say that they didn't know that their supplier was having human rights violations or was a gross polluter to the environment. They can't claim that anymore. There is so much transparency for the good that that is no longer an excuse. And if they say that, they're easily called out. And I think that's a great thing for the positive evolution of capitalism that there's nowhere to hide. And I think that's really good. That's good. And uh, and um, looking at some of the advantage also of capitalism, not only is innovation, you know, um, you know, transparency, all that, the competition to better, to better your product, services, and bottom line, it, it helps um, the consumer and then the entrepreneur. Right. So so it, it, it's a good um, it's a good cycle. Um, and. I agree with you with the power of this <laughs> of technology, right? I mean, really, if you're doing well, it's amplified, you know, with Yelp, with Google reviews, so on and so forth. And conversely, if you're not, then somehow you're going to feel the, the, the punch, right? And, and, and you don't want that. Uh, but uh, let me ask you, um, I'm just curious with, um, with, you know, G7 and all these first world country wanting to talk about environment and what's good for society, so on and so forth. And yet, um, you know, everyone uses a jet fuel propelled, you know, yeah. aircraft. <laughs> and of course the, the hotel and, and all that, the cost of that. What do you think of that? What's your, what's your take on that? Um, is that hypocrisy or there's truly a, um, uh, a benefit? Well, I think that there's there's going to be uh, complicated trade-offs as we move towards progress. Mm, and um, I'll say it this way. If there's like convening of parties like your COP27, your COP28, or your G7 summits, and there's no progress that comes from them, then it's a waste. But the the, the in-person meetings for world leaders... I think have the potential to have massive positive impact on moving society forward. Um, but only if the, the talking turns into actions and one framework I'm a big fan of, I'm wearing a, a pin here on my lapel for the United Nations sustainable development goals, the SDGs. Those came from the 2015 Paris Accord which was the world really coming together around the climate crisis and saying, what do we do about this? And, uh, and 17 goals around human rights, around food and hunger, around energy, 
around pollution, around um, gender equality and equity, um, you name it. There's 17 SDGs and I encourage and I open this framework to businesses that I meet with to say, pick three or fewer SDGs that you can make a positive impact on. And when a business says, I'm going to pick these one, two or three sustainable development goals, they've now elevated their company to a higher level of meaning and impact. They're connecting with a global compact that came from this, uh, I think it was COP, what, 20 or, or 19. And they said, we are going to think globally, but act locally. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the type of impact that can come from these conferences and summits where, to your point, Melody, I mean, people just jet setting all around the world, um, burning with, with, uh, with maybe two passengers in a 747, right? <laughs> yeah, that that is so wasteful and needs to stop. Um, sustainable aviation fuel SAF is so far away from being market ready that uh, and you, all these carbon offsets are low quality carbon offsets. You can't really offset wasteful travel like that. Right, right, right. Um, so I read somewhere, it was it like uh, year 2045, is it going to be in California? They're only going to allow um, electric type of trucks. So yeah. no more uh, diesel, right? Yep. The 8,500 and above pound vehicles will have to be all electric and passenger cars below 8,500 by 2035 in California. You know, I also saw somewhere, and I thought that was pretty, um, pretty creative. Uh, somewhere in Asia, where um, instead of using plastic, they actually use uh, banana leaves. Banana mm. leaves to actually uh, store whatever it is that they put in, um, you know, the shelf uh, in, in groceries and whatnot. I think it looks so appealing, and and, and somehow you know off the bat that they're not using plastic. <laughs> Yes. That is all recyclable, biodegradable, yeah. all that good stuff. So, that. I, so, so truly the creativity and innovation, um, are some of the, um, major, uh, advantages aside from what we talked about, uh, with retention and attraction of talent and attracting the right consumers for, um, bottom line right <laughs> absolutely and just think if that was if there was a local grocer here in southern california that started doing that how many people would talk about that sort totally. of innovation totally. and it's word of mouth marketing is a gold mine and hard to achieve i mean virality on social media is a kind of a thing of the past these days and if stores can make moves like that, it attracts customers to come by from them and attracts storytelling and word of mouth marketing uh, it, it's a it's a brilliant strategy to go for right now for companies. Uh, so now I'm thinking of the name of a good similar like a Trader Joe's, but very much into that sustainability, right? So why not, Mike? Let's do something like that. Off of that leaves, you know. Um, you know, uh, I think there's also also in Asia where uh, their grocery bag are made of. Um, in a certain type of plant that's durable, that's durable uh, enough, but it's totally biodegradable because it's made of made of this plant. But I can't think of the name of the plant, but it looks trendy too. It looks beautiful. Yeah. 
So it could be, um, so really the creativity and innovation is also for me, uh, another real big plus uh, of doing this. What would you consider to be a disadvantage of, um, of capitalism or do you? Ooh, a disadvantage of capitalism, I think is its existing reputation. I think there's skepticism in the public that capitalism is good for people and the planet. Um, I think that's an uphill battle for capitalists and entrepreneurs like myself to uh, earn trust. Um, I, I, I just think in in public right now, there's there's not a lot of trust in any large institution of any type. I think that over the past decades, uh, because of harms done, many of the world's largest institutions have become less trusted. And as long as business invests into building trust back, I think that's an opportunity. And I think the brands that are high integrity, high impact are going to build trust fast. And we're already seeing that with some of the brands I mentioned earlier today. And we're only going to see more of it, especially as the buying power shifts from generations that aren't necessarily as passionate or as aware about the future of the planet and the future of social equity. Uh, and that moves towards youngsters that are now getting greater buying power. Their jobs are coming Wealth, $30 trillion of wealth is being transferred from baby boomers to Gen Z over the next 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, think about that. Think about how they can invest and spend their money. So this change is happening rapidly and companies that are moving now have the advantage now and into the future. So, so listening to you, I'm just thinking when we were doing our marketing, right? And branding for runway. So brainstorming and what have you. And we look at the competitors, right? What's flourishing? And really one brand, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tom's, but it, it's a it's a brand where really, I mean, with all due respect, it truly is not aesthetically pleasing <laughs> in terms of how it's made, right? However, because of the consumer that you were alluding to, a while ago, we're talking about in terms of people really are drawn to, to if you're going to wear something, might as well, um, that voting, right? You vote with your wallet. Um, despite the fact that it's, I mean, really, I could think of a lot of brands, you know, that are just more trendy, more appealing, more sexy, more sophisticated. And yet they are, you know, till, till this day, they're, they're grossing and the revenue are, Really, really up there. Same with uh, Patagonia, uh, as you said, right? So, and a lot of other brands that are really um, raking it in terms of profit because of um, their. You can also uh, sense, I think, the the sincerity, right? The sincerity, because before I don't think there's really that certified uh, B yet, but um, their consistency in branding. And in my podcast, we. We, we talk a lot about uh, branding and um, consistency, consistency of message and whatnot really has a subliminal effect uh, to uh, consumers and thus are drawn to that brand versus another brand. But with, with your company and what your company uh, does, you know, to help um, corporations, that will just elevate more and amplify uh, the volume of, of their belief, right? As a yes. company. 
You know, when I went to business school, I was taught to market to FAB is the acronym, features, attributes, and benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, what I coach companies to do in my efforts at Impact Grove is put mission above all of that. You know, mission to money is a checklist that I put together. And I actually, if it's okay, I'll share the the the, the link to it. It's just mikebrown.com slash checklist. Um, and it it's all about marketing your mission. And that's what Tom's did. Tom's marketed that for every pair of shoes they sold, they would donate a pair of shoes to a, a, a child or a person in need. Massive social impact. And they sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. to a venture capital group that is still continuing on with positive mission in the Tom's brand. They they don't do the one-for-one one model anymore, but they are continuing to make a social impact through the brand. So there's also this myth that purpose-driven brands make less money. Purpose-driven man, brands aren't uh, acquirable. They don't get bought. They don't have an exit strategy. Totally wrong. I can point to many examples of brands that are actually being acquired and are massively valuable uh, to be looked at by other companies. So um, I think that's another huge myth to dispel. (laughs) I love it. You know, Mike, truly, honestly, um, I wasn't thinking that there's more to this than just kind of your belief as a founder and whatnot. But, you know, having this this dialogue, truly, I'm sold. <laughs> and I'm hoping that we can um, we can impart that uh, to our audience out there. And over 90% are business owners, right? Entrepreneurs or wannabe, you know, in the C-suite and wanting an exit uh, to start their own business. If we want to flourish, if we want to thrive and really compete and and rise above competition, this is a very good way, very good way, um, you know, and also another another layer to that is legacy, right? At the end of the day, yes, there's profit, but I mean, personally, that's that's important uh, to me, you know, we're, we're only going to be here, you know, for maybe 100 years or so, right? Uh, good bet, but um but what are you going to leave behind? And it's not just cliche or trying to be like mushy about it, but it's the truth, especially as you, like you, you have a child and family is important to me. And I want to see everyone still enjoy what we are uh, enjoying. Right. I mean, really. <laughs> so well said, Melody, the, the legacy and kind of starting with the end in mind. Um, part of my story I haven't shared yet with your audience. Um, and again, it's just so good to be here with you. Is Thank you. I'm glad you're here, Mike. <laughs> part of the, the part of my journey, uh, probably the biggest part of my journey was in 2016. I met my wife, Katie, uh, and she was born in the Philippines. She moved here when she was two. Grew up in Visalia, California, then graduated from UC Irvine with her degree in sociology. And for me, as as a white male uh, from Orange County, California, uh, straight, white, Christian, I've had just about every privilege possible for me. Um, Doors open for me, no ceilings above me. And I've learned about my wife's journey as a minority female and her family's journey. And they had obstacles. They faced adversity, they had doors closed in, they had ceilings above them, but they freaking pushed through it and they made it to success and they built a strong foothold here in America and they've accomplished that American dream of increasing their family's quality of life. And for me, I look at that from now in my family's legacy. You know, I have, we have a four-year-old daughter and as I thought about what business do I want to start next, when I started Impact Grove, 
it's so that I'm honoring my wife and her family's journey. And I'm supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion in businesses that I coach and, and positioning it as the right thing to do. And also positioning as how it's good for their company. And I would say that when my daughter is 24 instead of four, I think that she will be proud of the work that I've chosen to do. <laughs> and I hope that, that for other entrepreneurs out there, they're thinking of that. When your children are old enough to understand what you do, are they going to be proud of it? Or are they going to look at your company and say, I wish you chose to make a positive impact instead of only caring about money. And that's a huge eye opener for many people that I've asked that question to. And it's a challenge. And it's then as a, as a human being, we have a choice of which direction do we go? Do we take the path of impact and legacy and paying it forward for future generations? Or do we only prioritize money and fame and things like that in the current present time? And uh, I, I hope this is inspiring some to think bigger and to think about impact. I love it. No, thinking bigger is actually good because um, playing small doesn't really serve anyone. Right, Mike? <laughs> uh, I, and I love that story. Thank you for sharing, uh, Mike. Um and while listening to you, I remember, I remember, um, back in our ethics class <laughs> at LMU, um, one of the litmus tests, if you know you're doing the right thing, right? Uh, so the litmus test is, um, are you going to be proud? Are your kids going to be proud? Are your parents going to be proud with what you've done? Right? Because it's not like you're always recorded with what you're doing, but with what you've done, is it going to be something that you are going to be proud? your family and, and people that you care for uh, will be proud. So uh, good point there. Um, the other thing that I got from what you said is, uh, you know, with your, with your child and with your wife, right? There is, uh, you know, they're saying that um, the how will always follow if you have a big why and your why is your family. So that's very beautiful, uh, Mike. And thanks. Thank for you. Again. Thank <laughs> you for, for, for validating that. And, um, yeah, I just have, uh, so much more empathy and, um, I guess advocacy for yeah. people who haven't had, uh, the same life experiences I've had. And, uh, I think that, uh, we, as people, we, we make the best decisions we can in that moment in time with the information and skills we have at that moment in time. And I think the, the best way to approach that is to always be learning. And be open-minded and don't be closed off to the way that we currently see things or the way that we will always see things. And um, as I learned about that, and my wife also focuses on uh, sustainability in the built environment, design, construction, buildings, uh, and she helps other people to focus on environmental sustainability. She was some of the first seeds for me of caring about the role of business in the environment and for the planet. And I think the moment that we stop learning and being able to absorb new information is the moment where we start to be at risk in our personal growth. I'm not going to say we start dying, but it's one of those things where if we're not learning and growing, what are we doing? Right. Uh, right we're right. regressing. That I'm a big uh, proponent of that and a total advocate for, for learning, being open, being curious and, and really questioning, questioning the status quo, right? Just because this is being done for the longest time doesn't mean we have to continue, uh, you know, 
continue to keep doing what we're doing, right? <laughs> um, uh, so, and I also want to piggyback on, um, so shout out to Katie, your <laughs> wife. <laughs> so say hi uh, to her from me. But uh, truly, I like that you also validated that, that there is that, that there is that privileged white man's world. <laughs> I mean, really, um, maybe we don't want to talk about it, but uh, I remember, um, you know, starting out and I was new to this country. Um, and I'm sharing this to hopefully also inspire, um, you know, those that want to be entrepreneurs. Yes, there's going to be barriers. Um, I remember because it was, uh, it was dominated. It was dominated by white male folks, right? And I was young. I was new. And, you know, um, there's just all these that are different <laughs> from what everyone is used to. <clears throat> and I remember, yes. I remember one of my, um, one of the managers in, in the company that I first worked here in the U.S. He said, what? Really? Seriously? You, you got in? How? <laughs> Cause apparently, uh, all these, um, folks really wanted to get into this company and, um, wow. and, um, I don't know. So how did that make you feel when he was surprised? Like, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that it was surprising because I was just going through the motion. <laughs> but he said that <clears throat> as uh, part of the insurance world, insurance professional, one of their wish lists is to get into that company and get to that path, so on and so forth. And, and for some reason, a lot of them tried and couldn't. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know. I don't know any better. I just knew to just um, actually, okay, uh, one more s short story uh, about that. New to the country, didn't really know much. Um, so I asked those that were being paraded on um, on um, meetings and whatnot, so the successful ones. So I would mindfully have coffee with them and just say, hey, la la la, if you would... Um, if you would redo your life, what would you do? What would you have done differently? And they would say three things. So, and then another person kind of looked at the common denominator and I said, okay, then that's where I want to be. That's exactly where I want to be uh, with whatever it is that they said would have been their, their wish list, right? Um, and yeah, so life has been good, but, but you're right. Um, there is that, um, that privileged, so being female, minority, uh, you know, single mom with two kids, you know, at that time, um, and trying to learn the streets, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you're, everything is just freaking new, but, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of challenges. So <clears throat> if you're born here, you can speak the language, you know, the culture, you're like 70%, 80% there. You just need a little bit more umph and yes. a little extra on your ordinary way of doing things. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, to, to so many of your points there, and thank you for sharing that. I think that there's also representation and definitions of like where, where people are in positions of leadership, you know, dreamers to leaders. And I, I realize now having my wife and daughter, how powerful it is to empower dreams of leadership. When you see people that look like you in positions of leadership and for me growing up as a as a young white male, I saw it everywhere. Positions of leadership are people that looked like older versions of myself. <laughs> and 
I love now seeing progress, that there's more positions of leadership of Asian women, Black women, Hispanic women, uh, you know, non-straight people, uh, LGBTQIA representation and positions of leadership in business, leadership in government. I think that is more representative of the diversity in our country. And I think it's it adds value because we're not it, it doesn't take anything away from a straight white male like myself to have other people that are not us represented in positions of leadership. It doesn't take anything away. And I don't feel any guilt or shame about who I am or how what I've done or any of those things. It's just a matter of love and empathy for individual people, but also for our country and for society as a whole, that there's a lot of people that have many life experiences that can add value into all these areas of leadership. And to have more representation now is just going to empower more dreams of leadership into the future. And um, I think that's inspiring and gives me a lot of optimism. Nice. Um, So listening to you, you know, the diversity and inclusion. Again, if you look at California, right? <laughs> Love our own. But uh, look at California. We thrive. We're what? The number one economy in, um, you know, per, per capita uh, income, right? In the world almost. But why? Why? Because we, part of what we do is we embrace diversity, right? I go out of my street and I have, you know, rows of restaurants. And if I feel like I, I want to eat Ethiopian food, there is one. You know what I mean? If you want Cuban food next day, it's there. Everyone is represented here. And we, for the most part, you know, of course, we're not perfect. But um, the inclusion is very much around. It's very much alive uh, here in California, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And where where we live in Irvine, they have an international festival every year. And all these cultures from Irvine come together. I think there's uh, like something like 86 languages spoke in the city of Irvine alone. 87. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so uh, energizing to feel the, the diversity of cultures coming together, the foods, the, the music, the, the, the uh, ceremonial attire, um, just the, the, the different ways of, of hugging and greeting each other. It's so much fun. It's actually one of, we went last year as a family and it was one of our favorite days to just kind of immerse ourselves in these uh, diversity of cultures. Right. And I think, um, another thing that I like about Orange County specifically is, uh, not only is the diversity, like you see it everywhere, but the wealth, the wealth that you see around you. I mean, it's in your face. I love it. <laughs> I mean, really, we ensure um, boats and um, yachts and, you know, all this beautiful, beautiful, magnificent homes. Well, there's a reason, right? You know, there's wealth there. There's prosperity. There's also diversity. So yeah. you kind of put things uh, in, together. <laughs> yes. um, so as we wrap up, Mike, uh, share with our audience the best way for them to reach you. Yeah, uh, you can reach me at mikebrown.com. That's my website. And you'll be able to contact me directly there. So for all our entrepreneurs, business owners, executives out there, 
who really want to start their journey on uh, being a certified B company, really because that's who you are, plus you want uh, something for the consumers out there, for the world to know that this is what you stand for, um, then it, it's good to look into uh, Mike's company, right? <laughs> awesome. And yeah, for more information on Certified B Corps and the work we do at Impact Grove, that would be impactgrove.com as well. Wonderful. Uh, wishing you continued success, Mike. Thank you, Melody. It was such an honor and a privilege to be here. I enjoyed our dialogue and conversation today, and I'm grateful to have been here. Same here, Mike. And for all our dreamers out there, keep believing. You got this. Till next time.